Lord as it appears in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the, in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. I realize that that text of scripture is referencing the body of Christ, but on this day, we have a unique opportunity as a community to partner with our larger community. You may not be aware of this, but on Friday, six-year-old Hunter Herman of St. Bonifacius was set to ride along with his father, who was going duck hunting in Lake Parley, but the family's boat went adrift and the young boy fell into the water and efforts to revive him were unsuccessful. And he was pronounced dead at the Ridgeview Medical Center in Waconia. 24 hours later, Dean Buteau, who is 60 years old, was pulled from the lake as well, unconscious, on Saturday and was pronounced dead at the hospital as well. So over the weekend, we had two deaths in Lake Parley. Neither victim was wearing a life jacket and the sheriff has urged people to wear life jackets and to be cautious on and around the lake. With the temperatures dipping in the coming months, the frigid water poses an additional safety concern. Today, you will note the display of red and white balloons throughout the community. On the crown sign out front, there are red and white balloons. This is in honor of Hunter and an effort on the part of the community to show support for his parents, Chad and Tara, along with his younger sister, Grace. We invite you to pray for this family in the coming days. The funeral for Hunter is today at 11 o'clock, and several of our faculty members are involved in that. So I'm going to invite you to take a moment to pray with me as we pray for the families of Hunter Herman and Dean Buteau. Let's bow together. Lord of life, Lord of life, we humble ourselves before you, and our hearts are heavy with the news of an event just off the shores of our campus. We recognize that you give every person life and breath that only in you 
do we live and move and have our being? Indeed, we realize today that life is fragile. God of all comfort, we pray for the families of Dean Buteau and Hunter Herman as they experience the depth of grief caused by these accidents, enfold them in your loving care. Give these families courage in the midst of their pain and sadness. We pray that you would reveal the realities of your goodness, your nearness, and your love to them. May the salvation found in Christ alone shine through these tragic situations to provide the hope of eternal life. May your comfort abound to all who knew Dean and Hunter. And please sustain them through their sorrow. May the family members and friends and this community rise to surround these families as a manifest testimony of your support your encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this week is a week to reflect on encouragement. As we look at the scriptures, we are called to encourage one another. And on Monday, Professor Erickson helped us to understand one of those persons in the Bible that is known for encouragement, Barnabas. And as we walk the hallways and as we live our lives out in front of one another, it's very true that for many of us, there's a visible part of our lives that sits above the, the water line, and there's a lot of our lives that sits below the water line. And down below that water line in the iceberg of life, if you will, there are people hurting, and it goes unseen. And we never know how our words, our simple words, can encourage someone. And the word encourage means to put courage in someone. And Today, I would suspect, even here in this room, there are people that need courage put into them. They need a Barnabas. And so to help us to understand the role of a Barnabas in a person's life, we've invited a few people to share their testimonies, their stories of a Barnabas in their life. Someone who came close to them and spoke words that put courage in them. So today we'll hear from Tim Morrison, a professor. We will hear as well from Kate Jones, our resident director. And then finally we'll hear from Don Locklear, a professor as well. So we want you to listen to these testimonies and begin reflecting and thinking about who are the Barnabases in your life and then to whom can you be a Barnabas in the days ahead. Now, with that said, would you please welcome our first speaker, Tim Morrison. Thank you, uh, Chaplain, for letting me speak today. I'm Tim Morrison, a professor and teacher ed. been here three years. And, um, oh, yeah, teacher ed. Love, love those teacher ed students. They're awesome. Uh, so a little bit about uh, my background. Uh, I grew up in a church. Uh, but I did not know Jesus. And at the first day of the University of Minnesota, I was studying to be an engineer. And the very first day, some guys came and knocked on the door, shared the gospel with me. I became a Christian. And I knew right then and there that this was going to be a great adventure. And God brought a guy along beside me, and his name was Paul Singh. And he mentored me. And he encouraged me. I thought I'd just share a little bit about kind of what that felt from 
my perspective. So as a new believer, I'm struggling with school. I'm a math guy, but engineers, the bar is pretty high for math. I started to struggle. Paul would come by, he would just give me a, a word of encouragement. Now, 100 years ago, they didn't have emails. So he'd just take a prayer card and he'd just tell me that he'd pray for me. So on my way to breakfast, I'd, I'd pull open my door and I noticed underneath the door was a little card there. And Paul just said, hey, I prayed for you today. That, that, that meant so much to me. Uh, I began to fall in love with a young lady uh, soon after that and uh, Paul's a great encouragement to me. I, I felt kind of, well, you know how that feels. I don't know if you can put words to that, right? But I needed some encouragement about uh, how to pursue that. And he encouraged me. He's, he was just a guy that I could, I could just tell him what I really felt like. I didn't feel any judgment. He really was a Barnabas. And together we really were Paul and Timothy. God began to work um, in other ways with him. Uh, as uh, school progressed, I was able to um, change majors in education. Glad I did that. Uh, I love to be around people. And uh, Paul began to speak into me things that I just did well. And he taught me the difference between flattery and praise. So sometimes when we encourage people, we're, we're kind of afraid to say something nice to them because it's like, ah, it'll go to their head. Well, if it's actual praise to them, it'll be accurate and they'll know. So he would say something like, you know, you have an ability to kind of come along beside people and help them just to tell you what's on their heart. Wow, I can really do that. He said, yeah, you can, you can really do that. So he was just able to speak a simple truth into my life without any expectations, without feeling like he was being inaccurate. And that, was a, that just was a great blessing to me. Another thing he used to do for me is uh, he'd help me memorize scripture. As a new believer, uh, I didn't know my Bible very well, and so he would just memorize scripture, maybe on the way to lunch or something. And he would say, hey, I memorized this. Let's, let's work on this together. And for just like maybe 45 seconds, we would just say this scripture back and forth. Maybe just a minute, just short little vignettes. That was, that was a great blessing for me. Really helped me start my, my scripture memory program that I really needed. And um, I, I appreciate him speaking God's word into my life. So a picture began to come in, which was, you know, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit. He comes beside us. He's the one who walks with us. And then I had Paul. So we had Paul and Timothy and the Holy Spirit. And it began to sink into my mind. You know, God has given me this Paul to speak into me. I wonder if there's someone that I should be speaking into. And like not a day after I prayed that, there was another guy that came into my life. His name was Hugh, Hubert Curry. And I began to see God work in uh, Paul, and as Paul began to speak words of life into me, and the Holy Spirit enforcing that and giving that power, and I was able to speak that into Hugh. And it was, it was funny, as I could, I could walk uh, beside myself, almost seeing that transition take place. So as I needed encouragement from Paul, the Holy Spirit would work that into my life and infuse that and tweak it as only he can. And then I began to use that with Hugh, who also just became a new believer. So maybe two months ago previously, I had been able to lead him to the Lord. So a lot of this process was going on and encouragement was the thread that was all the way through it. See, the devil, he, he likes to beat us up, right? He, he gives us a hard time. He knows our weaknesses and he'll often push those. 
but he's no match for the Holy Spirit. Absolutely no match. And so encouragement to me was a guy named Paul to a guy named Timothy to a guy named Hugh. And then not too long after that, about a year later, Hugh led another guy named Joe to Christ. And so we could see the kind of the pattern going through. But again, encouragement was the thread. We all needed encouragement. We all had lots of struggles, just like we do here. Is there anybody in here that doesn't have struggles? Sometimes we feel like we're the only one that does have struggles, but it's true. Even at, even at 52, I still need a Barnabas. Today I talked to Dr. McCracken. He came in and spoke some words of life to me and prayed for me. It was, it was wonderful, that power of encouragement and how much that uh, is a part of my life. I just wanted to share that with you a little bit today. Uh, Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for people that come along, these Barnabases named Paul or whoever, how they, they come by your grace to speak words of courage, as Dr. Kuhn said, to give us courage. I thank you, Lord, that you did that for me. And Lord, I pray for these students here, Father, that if they are a Barnabas, that they would uh, rejoice in that ministry they have. And I pray for those Barnabas people, that you'd give them a Barnabas, because as they give out encouragement, they'll need to be filled up also. And Lord, I pray for those here who really do need a Barnabas, that they would have the courage to ask someone that they think would care for them, if they might be a mentor for them. That might be a big step. That might be a huge and scary step, but I pray that they'd be willing to do that. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. May we learn to lean on him more and more as we walk through this thing called life. We pray in Jesus' name and all the people said. Hey guys, my name is Kate Jones. Um, yeah. Resident director here, I get to work with student activities and I get to live with all of you and it's kind of my favorite. Um, so I moved to Minnesota on July 28th of this year. Um, from standing here, it kind of feels like forever ago, but in reality, in reality um, just about th less than three months ago. Um, so I packed up the U-Haul with my mom, road tripped it from Ohio, and, uh, and moved here and realized that I had to start the process of not just learning crown culture, but um, even Minnesota culture was different. Um, the first time I heard the word oofta, I thought somebody was hiccuping. I <laughs> never heard that before in my life. I wasn't used to having a five-minute conversation with a guy at the Red Box who had an extra dose of Minnesota nice. Um, but all of those things are great transitions because, let's be real, oofta is a great word. So, okay. So about a month in, uh, barely a month in, I started to notice some things physically that were concerning a little bit. Um, see, two years before, I'd been diagnosed with gallbladder disease, um, which didn't mean much for my day-to-day -day life, except that every once in a while, um, I'd have a few days where I was in a lot of pain, and then it would go away, and it'd be fine for a while. Um, however, I was noticing that things were a little bit different, um, and different to the point where I figured I should go get it checked out. So I went down to 212, figuring that they would run some tests, send me home, all would be well. Um, so I walked in there, and... Very shortly, they told me um, that I wasn't going to be going home anytime soon. Um, see, I won't go into extreme detail, but effectively, as this disease kind of had 
escalated. Um, it had effectively halted the function of my liver, um, which apparently is a big deal medically. I don't know. Um, so I had been here a month, just a few days over a month, and was looking at two surgeries, a couple of weeks of recovery, um, and one less organ in my body. Um, but let me tell you the really cool part of this story, because fast forward two months later, I feel great. It's fine. I'm all healed. Um, but the cool part of this story um, lies what happened in between, because um, sitting at 212, hadn't been there an hour into this entire process, um, somebody had already asked to come sit with me. That day, friends came and took my car home and, and brought me a toothbrush, which was a blessing to everyone around me. And um, um, throughout the course of surgeries, the entire residence life staff had visited me in the hospital multiple times. When I was home in my apartment, the, most of the student development staff had come to see me. Um, my RA staff asked how I was doing. Residents asked how I was doing. Um, long story short, I didn't feel like I had been here just a month. Um, and that's the really cool part of this story. Um, I, think, I think there's something really cool about the kind of community that we have. Um, because my encouragement, it wasn't in the form of one person, one Barnabas. Um, my encouragement was in the form of a body. And it was this body right here. Um, it made me feel lifted up and supported and encouraged. Um, it, it showed my family what a loving and Christ-centered community looked like and what it could do. It, it restored a sense of purpose for me here. It made me feel welcomed. I felt like I belonged. Um, and as encouraging as that time was for me, I hope that this can be encouraging for you guys because um, this kind of collective encouragement that I received, this doesn't happen everywhere. It's not normal. Um, the way that I felt loved and supported, that doesn't always happen very well outside the body of Christ. Um, it's something unique to what we have here, and it's something really special. Um, the way that I received it and the way that um, it was shown to me made an impact greater than, than I think I could explain here today. Um, but thank you. Your encouragement is really, really powerful. It means a lot. Dr. Don Locklear. Uh, I teach math. This is way out of my comfort zone. I mean, I can't even see my comfort zone from here. Um, you might think being a professor, you could stand up and talk in front of people. I only do that with mathematical symbols and equations and stuff behind me. So thank you. They're there. I at least feel a little, a little bit more at home. Um, Anyway, I would like to tell you a little bit about um, the support and the encouragement in my life. Um, like Kate, mine is not one particular person at one particular time. Uh, mine has been over an, an entire lifetime. And the greatest support and encouragement I have received has always come from my family. Um, they are amazing. Um, that's us. There are 10 of us. We added the 11th one last summer. It took a while for him to get into the family, but we, we let him in. Um, my sister and her husband and her two kids are on the far right. 
my two girls, my husband and myself and my parents. That is my entire family. There are 11. That's it. Um, but we are extremely close. Um, and I was very blessed to grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents have prayed for me from day one. I have no larger source of encouragement than my parents. Uh, they have been with me no matter what I've gone through. Always there to encourage. First, I thought this was normal growing up. Um, to have a fully functional family. And the more I got out into the world and discovered that so many families are dysfunctional, I realized how blessed I am to come from this family. Uh, one of the first times that I really discovered this was when I graduated from college. I graduated with a math degree, and everybody says, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know, but I don't want to teach. <laughs> God's got a really good sense of humor. Um, my dad was a high school math teacher and taught math for 30-some uh, years. And I just knew that that is not what I wanted to do. So my dad and I sat down. We looked through graduate schools trying to basically postpone what I wanted to do because I didn't know. And if I go to graduate school, I can at least put off the decision for two more years. Um, so I decided to go across the country to North Carolina. Why? I have no earthly idea. Um, it was, it was a God thing. That's all I can say. Uh, we had gone to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes family camp down there. I thought it was beautiful. North Carolina sounds like a good place to go. Okay. They offered me a teaching assistantship, which I thought, great. I've worked in the math department. I've helped them grade tests. I've done all this stuff. No problem. So my family brings me across the country, drops me off. That was hard enough. Two days later, I go to a um, tutoring session that tells us what we have to do for our teaching assistantship. They handed me a textbook. They handed me a class list. They said, you can skip this chapter and this chapter. We take a common final on this day. Do you got any questions? I'm like, eh, hello? I'd never taken an education class in my life. I had absolutely no earthly idea what I was doing. First call, dad, help. What do I do? How, how do I do this? And he calmly talked me through what I needed to do and obviously, I found my passion. It was totally a God thing. It was not any direction that I had wanted to go, but um, God put it on my heart that I guess I have a way of explaining math. Hopefully, I have a way of explaining math. Um, fast forward a few years. Um, we had a uh, tragedy, I guess, in our family. My husband and I lost a little girl. Uh, who was stillborn. My parents were there the entire time. Uh, my mom called me every single day. How you doing? She was there. They were my encouragement. 
um, along with my sister and her husband, we were back and forth calling all the time. So it's not just through good things, it was through the difficult things as well. Uh, we have moved uh, five times, my husband and I have. Uh, my kids were not always in favor of this, but they said their one rule was we cannot move more than one hour away from grandma and grandpa. So we have lived north, south, east, and we haven't, or west um, of grandma and grandpa. We have not gone east, we haven't gone into Wisconsin, but we've been everywhere else. And um, they have never once said, why are you doing this? I don't think you should do this. My husband and I started a business. That was a disaster. Um, but never once did they say, oh, I don't think this is a good idea. They were encouraging and always looked for the positives, looked for ways to encourage us no matter what we were doing. So I realize that I have been blessed and not everyone comes from a background like that. So what does this mean for you? Well, most of you are going to have families of your own at some point. If you don't have your own children, you'll have nieces and nephews. You can be the encouragement. Okay? We don't, ours doesn't go one way. I don't just get encouragement from them. They get encouragement from me also. We encourage each other. I talk to every one of the 11 members of that family at least once a week. And how you doing? What's going on? When somebody has something big, we're all calling each other or texting back and forth. And you can be that sense of encouragement for your own siblings, for your own parents, for your kids. And so many times when I've had my kids, I've wanted to say, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. And sometimes you do have to speak truth into their lives, but you can do it with encouragement. So my most recent case of support came just this week when I told my parents that I was speaking in chapel. Their first sentence was, when is it, and can we come? So Crown College, I'd like to introduce you to my parents, Don and Artie Roberts. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I love hearing these stories about the Barnabas in people's lives and the encouragement that we give each other. And that is really why I'm here today, why I've been working at this school for the past 16 years is because God called me here in the role of being a spiritual care coordinator to come alongside and be a Barnabas to someone, to initiate that mentoring role that is needed for each one of us. It's kind of funny because the first person that I asked to mentor me said no. And I was going to take him back. I thought I was probably in my, like, 28, 29. 
And God used that to push me towards mentoring others and not expect someone to come to me. But in the process, God gave me six women in my life. Um, We call ourselves the six-pack, not because beverages come in that form, but it was easier to have that as my little email thing than write all these names out. And we've been together for 20 years, and God has used us to come alongside each other through many different situations because it's true, we all have challenges. And so God brought me here to Crown to just, um, once my kids were in school, uh, he brought me here to, um, for me to be an encourager. So this is a great wrap-up of telling you that if you don't have a Barnabas in your life, um, I want to help you find one. I have a list of people that are ready and willing to come alongside you. Maybe you already know somebody in your mind who you would like to come alongside you as the Barnabas. But if you don't, I'm in the library, come and see me. Or a couple of pieces of paper out on the table in the hallway. Just sign your name and I'll get a hold of you. And we'll pray through who would be a good Barnabas for you. Let me just close in prayer. Father, thank you that... um, as we read and heard the scripture this morning about being in the body of Christ and about um, Paul and Barnabas and Timothy and their relationships, uh, how they encouraged each other, I just pray that um, you would bring to mind those that you want uh, to find a mentor, a, a Barnabas, that you would lay that on their hearts. I thank you for the testimonies this morning of these people who have shared, who has who have influenced them personally. And uh, we just praise you because you are our Father. Your Holy Spirit lives with us, within us. And um, you want to see this fruit produced. And so we give glory to you and praise to you and for this day. Amen. You're dismissed.